You know, it's funny. I've been a Catholic all my life, and I still forget that every single Lent, the first gospel, the first Sunday of Lent, is always the temptation of Christ. And the second Sunday is always the transfiguration. But every time the transfiguration comes up, it's kind of a surprise. I forget that that's what's coming. But it's interesting the way that the church gives us these two gospels back to back, because in some ways you've got some really huge differences. And in one way, there's a very common denominator that's very important for us, and I think kind of gets to the, we'll call it the crux of the matter. But if you look back at the temptations last week and see all that the devil is throwing at Jesus, I mean, it's like he's, he's frantic. He's going from place to place. It's like he's trying to get Jesus off kilter and get him off, you know, keep him on his toes and trying to disorient him. So, you know, at first there's Jesus in the desert after fasting for 40 days. The devil gets him looking down at the stones and saying, turn them to bread. And of course, our Lord responds by quoting scripture. Next, he takes him up to a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and looks down on them from the high mountain and says, they're all mine. I'll give them to you if you worship me. Jesus quotes scripture. They move on to the next one. He takes him up onto the parapet of the temple, looks down at everything and even tries to tempt Jesus to look down upon God, his father, to tempt God and throwing himself off the temple. And at this point, the devil even tries quoting a little scripture. Jesus quotes it back to him. And then the devil leaves him, as we heard last week, for a time. We know that that's that ominous sort of warning that he's coming back when we get to Holy Week and when we hit the Passion. You know, it's like the devil is going all over the place. He's taking him all over and it's just frantic as can be. And I would say, you know, especially for the first Sunday of Lent last week, it kind of goes in line with a lot of our lives, right? Because how often, and if you're like me, I say this all the time, when someone says, how you doing? Very often the first word that comes to my mind is, I'm busy, you know? And I think a lot of us kind of say the same thing, right? We're going from this to that. We're always on the move. We got so many things going on. We've got our phones in front of us all the time, which even when we're not physically moving, have us like going from this to this to this to this, right? Like we don't get to just stop. And I think that's the way that the devil wants it most of the time. And I don't know about you, but I just feel like lately I've been really tempted towards maybe not despair, that's probably too strong, but at least feeling overwhelmed because like we live in a pretty crazy age, right? Like, yes, things are both busy, but I'll just put it this way. I know I remember my dad talking about this and I kind of remember because it was when I was growing up, he's like, man... Back in the day, you know, Ronald Reagan was president. Pope John Paul II was the pope. He just went to night. We went to bed at night. It's like, yeah, they're in charge. Things are fine. We don't live in that age anymore. And I don't mean that as like a particular knock on anybody individually. But let's be honest. It's a crazy time in which we live. It's not like, you know what? Things are okay in the world. We're going to be just fine. And like, there's just so many things that are out of our control And it just feels like we're frantically going from this to that. And there's more and more advertisements. There's more and more things that are specifically designed to grab our attention. I heard about a study with cell phones to get the right color of blue that would pull us in there neurologically because it's harder to look away from that because it really attracts us. I mean, they know what they're doing. They know how to pull our attention down. 
And the devil is good at that. And you can see the way that he's trying to keep Jesus going all the time. So there's that. And then we move to this Sunday. And as I said, big difference going from the temptation to the transfiguration going up on the mountain. But there's also that common denominator. And what do I mean by that? So you go up the mountain and our Lord is taking them to do what? He went up the mountain to pray. They slow down. They go up there, right? And Jesus is in the midst with them. But notice this too. The devil always had Jesus looking down. He's prideful and looks down on everything. The devil is. Well, today, you got a lot of looking up as they go up the mountain to pray. As the cloud comes from them from above and they're looking up into it as it surrounds them. And even going back to the first reading, which really sets us up well, even though it's a little bit different, right? The reading from Genesis, you got God speaking to Abram and and making him this covenant saying, look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. And then, you know, and and Abram is, you know, sort of saying like, how do I know that all this is going to work out? Then we get the, the unique sort of covenantal language that is not what we're used to, right? Bring me a three-year-old heifer, three-year-old she-goat. All these animals, cut them in half, you know, which we're all used to. You know, No, I mean, I know. It's a lot. It takes a lot to hear this. They, he takes these animals, cuts them in half, puts them there, and then what passes through? The smoking fire pot and the torch. That torch, it's the same uh, word that's used for the thunder and lightning up on the mountain uh, when God is speaking to Moses. I mean, this is a presence of God moving between these two animals. What in the world does that mean? Well, this is covenant language back, you know, in this, you know, ancient Near Eastern times. When you're making a covenant with someone, and you're walking in between split apart animals, basically what you're saying is, if I violate this covenant, may the same thing happen to me that happens to these animals. And think about this. It's God himself who's making this covenant with Abraham. It's him saying, I will be faithful to you. I will be with you. I will be the rock-solid foundation with you to make sure that you know that you don't have to fear that I am there, that all of this goodness, all of these stars that you should count if you can, that it's yours, right? That I'm giving this to you. The devil tries to pull our attention from from that all the time, tries to get us focused on all these lesser things and all of his pride and all this trying to keep us off off our game. You know, he just is pulling our attention every which way. God wants us looking up. Now, I will say this, it's not easy to do. Something that this, you know, I've, how many times we read these readings, right? I never noticed this before. We hear a lot of times, about, you know, Abram, look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. Did you notice this? This is all, you know, happening together. And it says towards the end of the reading, after God told him, look up at the sky and count the stars, when the sun had set and it was dark, he told him to look up at the sky when it was still daytime and count the stars. It's an interesting little thing when you think about it, but okay, we go outside right now, it's kind of tough to count the stars, right? Because it's so brilliant, it's so bright. The sun, thanks be to God, is shining, especially since it's 17 degrees outside. Goodness gracious, it was hard to wake up early, and it's frigid. Merry Christmas. I'm so glad you guys are here. I know, it's a few less at 8 a.m. today. That's okay, we're all here, it's great. Sun is shining, go out there and count the stars if you can. It's hard, right? It's easy to fall into the devil's trap of looking at all this other stuff 
But God doesn't want for us the merely passing, the merely easy. He wants us to see what is foundational, what is so good. That love of His that is brilliant and bright as the sun that we're called to enter into, like Peter, James, and John. The difficulty is, is it takes some work, right? And here's, here's where it all kind of gets down to it. And on a certain level, it's going to be like, geez, Father, thanks. Another homily about the fact that we need to pray. Yes, you've got to pray, right? Why? Because the devil is trying to keep us going in every different direction. He wants us to be frantic. He wants us to be busy. He doesn't want us to do what? To rest, to rest like Peter, John, and James. Notice what happens as all of this is happening with Jesus there, with Moses and Elijah. What do they do? They fall asleep. What did Abram do in the first reading? And it's interesting. It says a deep trance, but it's the same word that was used in Genesis earlier on about God putting Adam into a sleep, taking out his rib and forming Eve. It's this resting in God. It's one of those things that it's a rest that's not like slothful, not caring, but knowing that you're standing on the rock-solid foundation of love, like a baby resting in his mother's arms, right? There's no better rest than that, except for right here, resting in the arms of God who loves us. And notice who comes to us. Jesus, just like that smoking fire pot and torch, is in the midst He's in the midst of Moses and Elijah, right in between them, right? The law and the prophets, these holy men from the Old Testament. And we're going to go to another mountain in a couple of weeks. Here we are, Mount Tabor, the Mount of Transfiguration. In a few weeks, we're going to Mount Calvary. And once again, he'll be in the midst, this time between two criminals. After he rises from the dead, he'll be in the midst of the apostles on the road to Emmaus. And my brothers and sisters in Christ, I propose to you today, he is in our midst, in sacred scripture, in God's love letters to humanity. The word of God is here with us. He's in our midst, in the sacraments, especially in the blessed sacrament, the Eucharist. He is in our midst. Now the devil is always trying to pull us away from that, right? And we can fall into the trap. That's one of the things about early on in Lent. We had these penances to once again realize, holy cow, this stuff has a much bigger effect on me than I expected. Actually, holy cow is the appropriate phrase. I've given up meat for Lent. Thought it would be easy. It ain't, you know? Like, it's hard to tell yourself no with something that you think, oh, I can pass up the burger. It's hard, right? And St. Paul warns us, don't let your, you know, don't let your stomach be your God. If everything about us is driven by our passions, what I'm wanting right now, it's not a good life. It's what the devil is wanting for us, pulling us from this to that, right? I like to tell guys in the confessional who are having a hard time looking at things on the internet that they ought not, particularly other people who are not dressed very well. We'll just leave it there, right? I like to tell them, fella, if you don't look at that stuff, if you resist the temptation, you're not going to die. It's a wonderful thing to remember. And in fact, you're going to move into freedom. The temptation is going to be beating you over the head like the devil in the desert. But notice, the devil flees. Our Lord stays. Stays in the midst between Moses and Elijah. Stays in the midst between the two thieves on the cross. Stays in our midst in the tabernacle all the time. So what does that mean for us? We've got to stop and pray. 
Now, I know that all of us are not like, okay, I got dynamic prayer life. Yeah, you're right, Father, we're going to do this. It's hard, and we have to make sure that we don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. I highly recommend praying the rosary every day. I love it. I can't live my life now without saying it. In fact, thanks be to God, Deacon Balky, he was here, you know, he's been here all week. Yesterday, didn't get to say it until like 8.30 at night. We prayed it together, and both of us were yawning the whole time. It was impressive, you know? I wish you could have heard the echoes of, of yawning. It was tough, but without it, I fall apart. But here's the thing. I haven't been praying it every day my whole life. It took time to build up to that. And if I tell you pray a rosary every day, don't think, oh, that's a mountain too far, Father. Look at this way. Pray a decade a day. It keeps the devil away, as Father Herb Burke likes to say, right? Or if you're at the point, like, you're not praying at all any day, I'll tell you what. Be faithful to making the sign of the cross one time a day. Father, that's not very much. No, it's not. But it's a heck of a lot more than nothing, right? Start somewhere. Take the time to be with our Lord. It's not as easy as looking at all the things that the devil is putting in front of us. Billboards and ads and junk on the internet, right? It's all out there, yes. And it's easy to fall into that. But it's not good. Our Lord gives us the great glory of the sunshine in the sky and still tells Abram to look at the stars. He still overwhelms Peter, James, and John with his glory on the mountain, but he has them looking up into the goodness, this expanse of his love that lasts forever, and that's what he wants us in. Not the uncertainty and the frantic nature of the devil who pulls us in every direction and makes us feel like we have no foundation and no hope. No. That's not what we're called to. We're called to step away with him. And I know this is a a season of fasting, yes, but it's fasting with a purpose to get us deeper than just our passions, than just our bellies, right? To get us into the firm foundation of his love, of knowing the fact that he is in the midst of all of this with us, whether it's between Moses and Elijah in our great moments of transfiguration or between the two thieves on the cross when we're bearing our own crosses, he is here. And that's why we have to take the time every single day to be with him. So that we know, even in difficult times like our own, we do have help. We do have something even better than help. Even better than amazing presidents and popes. We have God himself. And today, our Heavenly Father reminds us so emphatically, listen to him. Praise be Jesus Christ.